another episode of Spoiler Alert on the Too Smart Network. Uh, my name is Rolo. I'm Shari. And uh, this, uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, uh, this is a podcast where uh, Shari and I, we, we look at movies from the actor's perspective. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a little time and, and look at a specific actor's top five movies and bottom five movies. Now, just a little perspective on why we consider ourselves movie experts. Uh, Shari and I have worked at a movie theater for 20 years apiece. I mean, we've been, we, we damn near have put the bricks in the foundation at our movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've seen literally thousands of movies, some good, some terrible. And so I think that gives us a little perspective on what is a good show and what isn't a good show. And so today we're going to try to kind of dissect that um, and take a look at it uh, from our expert opinion. Um, So last week um, we did Will Smith. um, And again, it was part of this larger discussion um, on Twitter in terms of who was the best actor, Will Smith. Denzel Washington or Jamie Foxx. And so to kind of continue that argument, this week we're going to look at Denzel Washington. And so Shari, uh, tell us your your thought processes as you kind of delved into uh, looking for the best five Denzel Washington movies ever. It's damn near impossible to <laughs> pick five movies of Denzel's and try to say, okay, these are just the five I mean, he has so many good ones. It's it's really ridiculous. Um, you could probably take the five I picked, put those totes to the side and say, all right, pick five more. Put those to the side and then pick five more. And you're picking great quality <laughs> movies. I mean, you have to go really, really, really deep into his filmography before you find some, you know, subpar movies um, that, that he's made. And, and I really, you really have to struggle to find a movie of his that is not watchable. You know, there's plenty of people who make movies that are unwatchable, but you know, very few of his movies fall into that category. Yeah, yeah. When I was, you know, looking at this, you know, and preparing for the bottom side on my side, uh, I, I remember looking at the top five and thinking, oh man, I mean, there should be a top ten or a top fifteen or a top twenty because I mean, he just has some really good movies. But I wanna, I wanna look at Denzel as an actor for a second um, because I think he's interesting. Um, because it depends on, you know, you know, of course, everybody thinks Denzel is a great actor. You know, he's won the Academy Awards. You know, he's, he's critically acclaimed. But, and this harks back to Q, our illustrious podmaster, and his opinion that Jamie Foxx was better than Denzel and Will Smith because um, he thought Jamie Foxx had more range. Right, his his critique was that Will Smith is the same in every movie, um, and I could honestly, it, I mean, my opinion, I think Denzel is the same in every movie. Right, I, I look at a Denzel Washington role, and I see Denzel Washington. Right, I'm not going to see Denzel Washington doing, uh, you know, a, a slapstick comedy or or a romantic comedy. Right, you know, Denzel, he seems to be the exact person uh, that he is in every movie. Now, he does that person better than anybody else, right? He, he does that well. And honestly, you know, if you do it well, why change it? Uh, but what do you, I mean, what do you think? Do you think, am I, am I oversimplifying Denzel? Well, or, I, you know, honestly, you kind of agree um, with me? 
I, I came away with a complete opposite opinion, honestly. I felt like before okay. I was kind of waffling between, you know, Will and, and Denzel, but after, you know, really sitting down and looking at this, I mean, to me, he is without a doubt probably the greatest black actor of all time. I mean, you know, it's just, it, it, he's just so much leagues ahead of Will Smith in the regard of the number of quality movies he's made and the quality performance he puts forth in all of his movies. Um, yeah, he doesn't do comedy, he doesn't do romantic comedy, but, I mean, he's arguably the best actor of his generation, you know, regardless of race. So then, you know, you break it down like that, I, I just really think that really sitting down and been looking at his, his uh, filmography and studying some of the movies, even the ones that I hadn't seen yet, I, I just think he's just leagues, leagues ahead of both of those guys. Yeah, at the end of the day, I, I, I think I agree with you, right? Yeah. Uh, even though, like I said, I, I think Denzel, in terms of his range, maybe he just doesn't like trying, you know, weird comedies, right? Mm -hmm. He's very selective in what he does. But like I said, what he does, he does very good, you know, better, you know, like you said, arguably better than anyone uh, of his generation. So, uh, like I said, you had a tough task <laughs> putting together a top five. So, why don't we go ahead and get into it? Uh, you're going to count down from the start of number five and go all the way up to number one. Uh, so tell us what you got. Okay, so um, I'm going to start with my number five movie and um, a little bit more about what I looked at when trying to pick the five that I wanted to talk about. Um, Denzel, he collaborates with a few directors he's collaborated with uh, multiple times, uh, particularly Tony Scott, Spike Lee, and Antoine and Fuqua. Fuqua. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, those are the three guys that he's made multiple movies with, so I wanted to at least try to have one movie from each of those guys' um, collaboration. So at number five, I have probably, in my opinion, his best collaboration with Tony Scott, which happened to be his first collaboration with Tony Scott, was the movie Crimson Tide. Um, came out in 1995. Uh, Gene Hackman was the, the co-lead, if you will, and um, I think this really established a trend that you know, Denzel is very good playing opposite another strong lead. He doesn't necessarily play um, a supporting role to those guys. He's able to command the screen, you know, as as much as the other guy that he's with. The, the Mano Imano movie, if you will. He does that better than almost anybody. I mean, American Gangster, uh, you know, he goes down the list of all the movies, Philadelphia, that he's done with great actors but you don't necessarily see him as the supporting role and this is just a classic mono imano pissing contest movie i mean it's just the movie's just one long pissing contest between him and gene hackman um if you've never seen it it's basically about um a submarine it's a submarine thriller a naval thriller um some russians get a hold of uh, some rogue submarines and some missiles off off the coast of russia so the U.S. deploys the USS Alabama, which is a submarine, to go and, uh, you know, kind of take care of things to do some recon. And if necessary, use nuclear force to, you know, suppress the rebel Russians. Well, you know, make long story short, they're in the middle of their mission and they get a transmission saying, hey, we need you to, to attack these guys. You know, go ahead, full speed ahead. So Gene Hackman, as the commanding officer, says, all right, guys, let's get ready to go. And then right before they're about to launch their missiles, they get a second transmission. And before they can hear the whole thing, they lose their communications. And Denzel Washington is the second in command and says, hey, we need to find out what that second message is. Let's go back up to the surface. And Gene Hackman's like, no, 
we need to go ahead and attack. And then right there, it's just, they butt heads and we have a mutiny later on and then another mutiny after that mutiny. And it's just, you know, the whole time, it's just who's gonna back down, who's right, who's wrong. And it's, it's, it's a very well done movie. Um, you know, you got the whole military aspect of it, but at the same time, like I'm saying, it's just classic mono mono You know, who's gonna back down? Is it gonna be Denzel or Gene Hackman? And, you know, on paper, you say, oh, Gene Hackman's been around since the 60s, and but, you know, Denzel just has that power. He commands that force, so, you know, I just think it's just a yeah. great and great performance. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you brought that up because um, I was reading a little bit about this movie, and uh, there was a quote, and I wish I could remember it, but Denzel said something along the lines of he was looking forward to the role because, you know, you know, he was looking forward to, you know, his acting chops, right? He was looking forward to going against the best, right. which is basically what he said. And so he was looking forward to working with uh, with Gene Hackman. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting movie in a lot of different ways, right? Like, uh, I know that, like, the U.S. Navy refused to, to yeah. cooperate, yeah. right? So, like, they actually had to go to France and use the French Navy. <laughs> and so that's kind of uh, crazy to, to think about. Um also, I was reading about this, um, and you mentioned this last pot, but, um, or maybe it was just one of our side movie conversations, but uh, Tarantino actually visited uh, the yeah. set of the movie, yeah. and Denzel Washington confronted Tarantino over his use of the yeah. N-word yeah. in his movies. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned that, you know, Denzel just refused to work with him because of it. And then I, I read that like years later, Denzel said he later apologized and he realized it was just kind of art. But I thought that was interesting that I remember you saying that um, and then to come to find out it was this, this movie, the set of this movie where they kind of came to <laughs> Yeah, head. I think uh, Tony Scott brought Tarantino in to do some uh, script work and Denzel just kind of cornered him in the middle of the set, kind of embarrassed him a little bit. So, you know, he kind of felt bad about it later <laughs> on. Like, you know, I, I, could, I could handle that better, but... I think he got his message across, you know, whatever it may have been. But <laughs> yeah, I, I did read, I, I heard about that little little uh, incident as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, Crimson Tide is definitely a good movie, and you know, as Alabama fans, right, we can kind of uh, look at it from that uh, that side of the aspect too. So yeah, definitely good good flick there. Uh, what do you got for number four? Uh, number four, I'm gonna go. Um, little bit more on your your wholesome feel-good Denzel you know Denzel can do he does have some range you know let's not listen to what some people might say like Rolo here <laughs> he can you know be a little more soft he could be inspirational he could be hard you know Denzel you know he can be funny in, in his movies as well um, and number four is a good example of that uh, with Remember the Titans um, mm -hmm. this movie you know whether you really like sports or not this is just one of those movies that every person can enjoy you know basically for what it is um you know it has everything you want in a you know movie based off historical events including historical inaccuracies <laughs> um you know it has its fair <laughs> you know fair share but you know you got to be able to take some artistic liberty to make the movie a little more dramatic but um his performance in that is just oh it's just so great you know the hard-nosed coach you know no nonsense you got the racism you know, you got the historical aspect of what was going on in the country at the time. I just, I love this movie. It's, you can't say enough about it. Um, arguably the best sports movie ever made. You know, I think it's the best football sports movie ever made. Um, but it's a movie that, you know, if you're at your in-law's house and you're kind of having an awkward conversation, you don't know what to talk about, 
and you turn on the TV and this movie's on, everybody's happy. Everyone can engage in the conversation. You know, everyone's seen it. Um, you know, some people might think it's a little corny and a little cliche, but I think it just has the right amount of schmaltz and the right about of, you know, the football, the sport, you know, something for the sports fan, but at the same time, you know, it's got the nice schmaltzy feel-good, you know, drama to it. Yeah, I mean, it's got everything you want, right? You know, make you laugh, makes you cry. Sure enough, make right? you cry. I feel good, a little, little frog in my throat when, when Gary crashes the car, yeah, right? Like, you know, you know, it's a, James Taylor <laughs> it's a sad moment, but... Like, oh no. I think it's funny that you mentioned this, though, right? Like, and this is not a knock on Denzel because remember the Titans, I agree, it's, it's one of the top, you know, sports movies of all time. You know, I might put it just behind Rudy for football movies, but like, it's, it's right up there. But you did mention, like, the historical inaccuracies, right? <laughs> like, I didn't even realize, like, I started reading about this, how many that we can make a top five historical inaccuracies on remember the titans if we really wanted to get into it right like they never jogged through gettysburg right that was like a pivotal moment of the film they didn't actually do that right bertier and campbell weren't best friends in real life are you kidding me they're not best friends in real life right the school wasn't integrated gary gary during the events of the movie right integration actually happened earlier he played every game of that year gary's accident was after the season right Coach Yost had four daughters. Certain characters weren't in there, yeah. like, you know, uh, yeah. Gary's girlfriend, they, his racist friend. They were all friend, amalgams. Right? Of, Alan, of right? They were all amalgams. You gotta have Alan. Characters. Huh? So, Alan's racist dad, the racist coach. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, Coach Yost had like four girls in real life, and they just rolled them all into one <laughs> one girl. And yeah, so, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, I mean, I know you take liberties in movies, but but damn, those are some big ass liberties. Man, that shit affected affected some of the, the shit in the movie I enjoyed. Damn. Oh, no Gettysburg? Come on. Shit, get burnt here and and Campbell weren't best friends. Left side. Strong side. Left side. That didn't happen. Left side. Strong side. That, that didn't really happen. Yep. Yeah, I mean. Damn. <laughs> That hurt me. All right, let's just turn the page. Let's go to the next movie. Remember, Shit, that hurt me. Remember the Titans. Um, Third number of three, page. I have another sports movie for Denzel. <laughs> I didn't realize he had done, you know, this many sports movies when I was looking at this. But uh, number three, I have um, on my list his first collaboration with uh, Spike Lee. But I think it's his third or fourth in line um, is He mm-hmm. Got Game. Um, he Got Game is not your yeah. typical sports movie i like to call it the anti field of dreams where in field of dreams is the father son wholesome movie you go see with your dad you know you know i love you dad i love you son well this is the anti field of dreams this is the other side of of what that relationship can be when you're trying to escape uh the legacy that your father made for you um and the you know the tragic the tragic uh consequences of that um is very 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 at the core of this movie. It is a sports movie, yes, but it's so much more than that because of the relationship of the father and son. Um, uh, I read you know, a lot about this movie, um, the making of the movie. Uh, it was really uh, interesting to me in that they wanted Kobe. Kobe Bryant was the original choice, right? And uh, yeah. They originally, yeah, they you wanted stole Kobe. My fact. And, you stole my factoid. This yeah, speaks to the yeah. Mamba mentality. Kobe yeah. had had 
a rough end of his rookie season and he couldn't he physically felt like he needed to get better shape you know he needed to put his career first before he could make that jump to Hollywood that he would make later in life but um, at that time he, he put his career first and I think that kind of speaks volumes to Kobe but at the same time Ray Allen was like hey 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 I, I'm your man I can do this and you know he stepped in and had never done a movie before ever and did pretty well I think he really held his own you know uh, um, having that anger you know projecting that anger in that role really well Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's definitely my favorite Spike Lee movie, yeah. and probably my favorite Denzel movie. Um, and yeah, I, I think. I yeah. mean, I think Kobe could have absolutely pulled it off. Um, but yeah, I, I think Ray did the job well, right? And like, and he wasn't trying to overact, right? I mean, he was being like a normal basketball player, right? And so, um, I think he pulled it off well, and I and I think it's a testament that. You know, people associate the role yes. of Jesus Shuttlesworth with Ray Allen, right? I mean, I know a few years ago when the Heat players could uh, personalize yeah, their jerseys, yep. right? He yep. had Jay so, Shuttlesworth yep. on, on the so back of his jersey, right? So, uh, and I'm still waiting on the sequel with Spike, right? They supposed, they were supposedly doing a sequel, right, with him as a yeah, kind of an older player reaching the end of his career. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's never gotten off the ground, but, uh, but yeah, I love, you know, and, you know, it kind of reeks of that, like, like late 90s, like the 90s vibe, right? Like, we've talked, you and me and, and Q, about, like, NBA ad nausea, but, like, we talk about how the golden era of the NBA, mm-hmm. right, you know, in the 90s, right? And that's when you saw all of these basketball yeah. movies. You know, most of them terrible, right? Six you know, fans. Like, you know, uh, Eddie or... <laughs> yeah, like Mike. You man. Yeah, like these, you know, terrible, yeah. terrible yeah. Celtic... Celtic pride, right? Like, but like, this was probably the best of the bunch, right? You know, a bunch of, you know, real NBA stars in it. Um, it was just, you know, a good movie, right? Very complex. Um, a lot of different layers to it. Um, I, you know, and it was, you know, showed it from like the player you know, side and, you know, we're dealing with agents. A and lot of like any given Sunday the, in which the it was very prophetic on the, what, what the game yes. was really like and what it was really going to become you know the commercial side the business side of it the underhanded mm-hmm. dealings with the agents and all that i mean all that's been going on forever with the college athletes but it was very it showed kind of a grittier side to the sport that people don't really like to look at you know people know it's there they they know it's there but they don't really like to talk about it per se but i think it just it wasn't your your glossy hoosiers or like i said your fill of dreams it was kind of had a little edge to it um, so I just I couldn't you know, ignore like a blue that. Blue chips, one. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So I definitely have to throw in uh, he got game on there for sure. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, now we're down to your top two. All right, so um, number two is um, his second collaboration with Spike Lee, I believe, um, in uh, 1992, Malcolm X. Um, you know biopics are very you know delicate in that you get they could be either really good or really bad and the who you pick to portray a person um and when it's a really good one that person that portrayal becomes the quintessential portrayal of mm-hmm. of that icon kind of like mm-hmm. how jamie fox with ray yes, um exactly. this is the quintessential portrayal of of malcolm x you know for 
as long as I thought, for when I was younger, I thought Denzel Washington was Malcolm X because I just remembered the commercials and seeing him being associated with that symbol so many times that it was like, okay, he's an actor. He's not the actual guy. That was someone who happened, you know, that happened a long time ago. Yes, he was real, but Denzel Washington's not Malcolm X, but he Kind of like some, a Madonna and Ava Perone, right? Yeah, he just, it was like a passion project, I felt like, you know, for both him and Spike Lee. And um, it was just, it was really a little bit before its time and, and you know, being recognized for, for the movie it was. Um, you know, it's all political, then you know, I don't even get into that with the Oscars and all that bullshit. Um, but, you know, it, you know, for him to even get this movie made, he had to have, you know, his rich friends and, you know, celebrities chip in money um, because it wasn't really something that people really were, you know, wanting to have put out there. Spike, uh, sorry, Malcolm X was a very polarizing figure. Um, because Let's talk about that a little more, right? Because I, I read about this, right? Like, they had, like, a strict budget and... Mm-hmm. Denzel, I mean, uh, sorry, Spike was, you know, trying to ask for more money to make the movie, and and the film company absolutely refused. And at one point, production got shut shut down. But then, like you said, it was the rich friends, right? Specifically, like Oprah, Bill Cosby, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan Prince, yeah. Janet Jackson, all like used their own money to to get this movie finally um, made. Denzel, so, like, you know, he he you know he put up his salary, and yeah, yeah. It was all, all of them really were just like, we're just going to get this made no matter what, no matter who doesn't want to put it out there or who doesn't want to help them. So um, in spite of all that, it was a really, really, really good movie. Um, it backed up all of that. You know, it, 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 it definitely had the payoff of all that um, effort and all that toil. Um, the, what they put out there was a really, really good movie. Um, it's, it's uh, like I said, it's the quintessential portrayal of Malcolm X that I think we've seen. I mean, not that we've seen that many. I don't know how many we've had since then, but it's definitely stood the test of time as far as um, biopics go. Yeah, I watched it the other day, and I, I didn't, re- I, I'd forgotten how, you know, some aspects of the movie, how funny it was, right? Like, yeah. there were some funny, like, scenes, right? Especially like the, in the earlier. Yeah, movie. the earlier between where he goes get the hair done, right? That <laughs> funny scene, right? Like, even like. It has one of my favorite gifts of all time, right? The the scene with him getting upset where he like calmly sits down and then slams the book down, right? Like <laughs> there's so many situations where I use that gift, right? So like uh, the, the movie had like a, a kind of an underlying comedy aspect of it, especially like again before he goes to prison, um, which you know in the suits again, they're I, wearing, I didn't remember. And yeah. Way he's walking dark across the street. <laughs> yeah, with the suits on, right? With the zoot suits, oh, going to the club, right? Like, oh, it yeah. was a, it was, it was a good, good show, man. Good show. Um, I definitely can see why it's uh, up at the top, right? Like one of the first quintessential biopics I remember. All right, let's go to your top spot, number one. Number one. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I mean, I know, know a lot of people didn't really care for this movie, even though. You know, this is kind of like, to me, one of his most defining roles. So I'm just going to have to go with number one, with Training Day, um, 2001. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Um, this was the first time everyone was like, "Damn, Denzel was the bad guy," you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, uh, what was, uh, you know, guys that don't ever play bad guys, like you know, Harrison Ford or someone like that, has a movie when they're the bad guys, just like. You're kind of in shock, and the whole time you're waiting for this redeeming character arc, this this redeeming story arc that's going to be okay. 
he's been putting Ethan Hawke through this for, you know, he's really trying to help him, and you're like, wait, like, you slowly realize, no, this dude's just bad, like, he's just bad, and it's just like, you, you, you put out hope all the way until the very end, and then he just goes full on, you know, bad, screaming in the street, yelling at everybody, you know, bringing on, like, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, all the guns pointing at him, and so, I just feel like he was never afraid to, hey, screw it, I'm, I'm Denzel Washington, I know I had this wholesome idea, but I'm just going to go ahead and just be the complete, complete asshole, complete jerk, and uh, not have any, any redeeming qualities whatsoever, and it was really just the first time I'd ever seen him like that, um, smoking PCP and dropping M-bombs, and it, it was just like, woo, it, it was kind of refreshing to be, you know, to me personally, and I know a lot of people don't feel like it was you know, they, he got the Academy Award, but they feel like, you know, he's had better performances, and I can't really argue with that, but to me, I feel like this is, shows, like, the range of Denzel Washington. It shows that he's not just a cookie-cutter actor. You know, you can see him play someone else other than a Denzel in a movie, and this is, like, my example, in my opinion. Yeah, like, you know, Training Day, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no, you know, disagreement for me that it's his strongest role right a lot of like you said a lot of people tend to say that the oscar he won that year was uh kind of a career award yeah. but mm-hmm. uh you know super strong performance right uh i think he made the character like so complex right like there were mo- i remember the first time watching it there were moments where you know at the end of the movie, of course, he's the bad guy, but there were moments where, like, he had me convinced that he really wasn't bad, right? Yeah. Um, there were scenes where, you know, where he's, like, with his son, right? Or when you're talking to Ethan Hawke and you're thinking, oh, well, maybe he's not, like, the bad guy. Maybe he redeems himself, but now nah, he sure as hell doesn't in the end, right? He ends up being uh, the villain, but, like, you know, he played the hell out of that villain, right? It was just, it was just perfect, right? I think it's interesting that, um, you know, he beat Ali, right? He beat Will Smith, you know, and uh, for the uh, the Oscar, right? He beat out Will Smith for, for Ali. He also beat out uh, Russell Crowe, who was a huge favorite um, for A Beautiful Mind. Um, and so, you know, um, one of my favorite Oscar speeches of all time, right? Because the first <laughs> thing he says when he gets up there is he says, oh, two birds in one night, right? You know what that reference was to, right? Yeah, Sidney Poitier got his... Um... He got a uh, what an honorary Oscar that night earlier in that evening, and uh, Halle Berry was it was that the same night that Halle Berry also won uh, Best Actress? So it was kind of yeah. like yeah, yeah. He was referring yeah to, to Halle Berry, right? Like Halle Berry was the first actress to win a black African American actress to win Best Actress. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he was the first uh, or to you know to win Best Actor, but like. Uh, and also, I love that he paid, you know, yeah, it was the night that Sidney Poitier won his Lifetime Achievement, and so he made, like, a great toast to to, to uh, Sidney Poitier, you know, he said, you know, I, I, I finally win this, and I'm still behind you, Sidney, you know, because he won the, the best uh, the, for Lifetime Achievement, and he's, you know, right. goes on to say, I, I, I'm always behind you, I'm always following you, I owe everything to you, so it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty great speech, right, I, kind of up there uh, with, uh, with Cuba, Cuba Gooden Jr. Yeah, both her, like, his uh, and Hallie's speech that year, they were both yeah. very, very, very uh, emotional. I mean, Hallie cried for half the damn speech, and, though. But, but then, <laughs> I really remember her. She gave, like, shout-outs to all these black actresses that, not mm. just the ones that went ahead of her, but that were working with her. 
like contemporaries of her and she even you know acknowledged that it, that was for them as well and I think you know now more than ever like you know hearing Viola Davis come up with some of the things that she's been through and everything like that I think it's um, it's very important to you know realize that they are still a fraternity there amongst the black actor and actresses in Hollywood you know there is that camaraderie that if one of them wins all of them you know can feel like they're winning a little bit as well so they're always very conscious of of that Denzel was that night <laughs> I read sure a was. fact about this movie um, that they originally offered the role of, of Jake Hoyt right that Ethan Hawke portrayed to Eminem could you imagine Eminem <laughs> as the, the the counter to, to Denzel Washington in this movie? It wouldn't have worked because then Eminem is too angry and you know he wouldn't have been going for half this shit. Eminem's not going to smoke PCP because someone make, tells him to. He's not going to do it. He'll smack that out of his head. There's no movie there with Eminem. He's too... He, he wouldn't be going for none of that shit. So they had to go with the someone, a pretty boy, you know, if you will. Uh, Training Day is so good that it makes Ethan Hawke look like a great yes. actor, right? Like, I remember watching this and thinking, man, where the hell has Ethan Hawke been? Man, I his star is going up. What's the next thing he gonna do? If and then make Ethan Hawke look charismatic and enthralling, I mean... I was like, man, this guy is taking off. And then he makes Assault <laughs> on Precinct 13. And then, oh, he's, you know, he's on the who, indie circuit. He is but, who we thought he was. Yes. Right? He's not an action star, no. Not by any means. That's what I got, you know. Um, I'm sure, you know, we'll we'll get into some others that should have been on there or whatever. But you know, in a nutshell, those are the five that I would pick, um, you know, as my high points for it. Okay, so yeah, I mean that's a, a quality five. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of looking, like I had a lot to choose from in terms of what I thought could be on here, right? Like. One of my favorites is Inside Man, right? Another Spike Lee collaboration with him. Uh, I'm not a fan of that one, but yeah. You got Glory, where he won his first uh, Oscar supporting uh, uh, supporting actor Oscar. You know, American Gangster got a lot of uh, Mm. acclaim. Courage Under Fire, Philadelphia, Man on Fire, right? I mean, it's just a a who's who of movies. But what I'm going to go with, one of my favorite Denzel movies, and I would probably put it personally for my favorite, right up there with Training Day, He Got Game, Remember the Titans, um, is Out of Time, mm. right? Out of Time. Um, you know, I you know, I criticized this though earlier for, you know, playing himself, but I think this movie, he actually kind of stretches out of what he normally is, right? So he's not like as assertive and dominant and confident as he normally is. Mm-hmm. In this movie, he's kind of goofy. He's fucking bumbling. up every step of the way, right? Yeah, Always sweating as... Scared as hell, sweating. Cheating on a girl, adulterist, yeah. Yeah, adulterist, right? right? Adulterer, right? Stealing money, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, it's it's a great, it's a film noir, right? It's it's a great, you know, example Mm -hmm. of film noir. Um, And it it was enjoyable, right? It was suspenseful, right? You didn't even know where it was going to go. You know, I just thought, you know, plus, you know, you got Sanaa Lathan, you got Eva Mendez, right? Like, I thought it was just a really well done movie. How many movies has he done with Eva Mendez? Um, I, I think those two, right? Day. Training Day and... At a Time? Was that the only two? At a Time. I think that's okay. it. Damn. Okay. I was like, this sure wasn't that. Yeah, I mean, yep. all the ones you mentioned, I had on my list at one point. I mean, you should see my notes. I've scratched off and arrows and 
that is like a Venn diagram of, of, of Denzel Washington movies of who should be on there and who shouldn't. So yeah, I can't argue with that at all now. Okay. All right, well, let's... Time to flip the script. Time to flip the script. So, <laughs> time we look at the uh, the worst Denzel movies. And I got to be honest with you, right? Like, I had to do some, some deep research on this. Um, you know, I, I said this last, uh, last uh, episode, but like any actor worth his salt, you know, you're doing a lot of projects. You're going to have some stinkers, right? Denzel Washington has done 40 plus feature films. Especially and in so, the beginning. Yeah, especially in the beginning when you're trying to get off off your off your feet on getting you know trying to get uh, your career started so uh let's take a look at what i found when i went down into this all right my number five movie now some people are going to probably disagree with me on this one uh and it was tough for me to nominate this one like my blackness almost wouldn't <laughs> let me nominate this one uh because it is very much a, a movie about race and about racial tension, and you know it's very <laughs> applicable in this time. Here we go. But at the end of the day, right? I I just don't think this was a great movie. Uh, number five is The Great Debaters. Mm. Um, you know, and it's got a good good cast, right? You know, it's got it's Forrest Whitaker's in it, right? Mm -hmm. um, Denzel directed, right? And maybe mm -hmm. that's you know one of my issues with this because. He directed Antoine Fisher earlier, which I, I definitely enjoyed, um, but I, I did not think this was nearly as good as Antoine Fisher. Um, it was Oprah produced, right? And you can kind of feel that, right? You kind of feel that Oprah produced movie. My biggest criticism of this one is that, and, and we said this last time, there's nothing worse than, than mediocre Oscar bait movies. And I feel like this was a mediocre <laughs> Oscar bait movie. I really feel like this was a sports movie that was translated into debate, right? It felt like Coach Herman Boone from Remember the Titans had become a uh, debate coach, right? Even some of the, the quotes, right? Like if you watch the trailer, right? So debate is a combat. Your weapons are words, right? Debate is blood sport. You must destroy your <laughs> opponent, right? Like this is Coach Herman Boone talking about debate, right? It was somewhat... And, it was too busy, right? Too much going on, right? Race issues, family drama, romance, debates, right? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I just felt like it was just <laughs> too much, too much going on. Um, you know, Denzel is like the, the the savior, righteous character, right? He's a, the, the husband and and the the, uh, the debatist and the great father figure and the labor union. He was a labor union organizer, right? Like, what did where did he get all these skills from, right? Like. I don't know. Like, um, maybe maybe I'm just being too harsh. Let's just call it what it was, though. It was, it was a black dead poet society. I mean, there's a part in the yeah. movie where Denzel gets on a desk and starts yelling <laughs> at him. I mean, I'm like, oh, oh, oh captain, my captain. So, yeah, I mean, it was very cliche. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it was terrible. I think it was maybe a little bit on the underrated side. Um, but it's, you know, it, it does have that, that Oprah, Oprah feel to it, you know. The white it folks certainly is extra has mean. The white folks that's extra mean and angry and hateful, of course, and that's that's probably what it was like back then. Let's just be honest. I'm yeah. not saying that that's that's inaccurate, but you know, it, it's you know, it had a narrative that it was trying to tell and you know, um, 
if you wanted to want is that the that's if that's the movie you wanted when you were going into that theater then you're going to enjoy it and if you don't like those movies then you certainly sure so certainly weren't so i mean you know it is what it is it wasn't great but i just don't think it was terrible that terrible yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, maybe it shouldn't be in the top five. You know, it's Denzel, so he's not going to have a ton of terrible movies, but... Um, and I'm, I'm not a fan of the, 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 the Frederick Douglass wig that seems to crop up with all these guys at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Jamie Foxx had it in Spider-Man 2. <laughs> the Smiths kind of had it going on in uh, Pursuit of Happiness. It's just, I don't know. Jamie Foxx seems to have, like, that Frederick Douglass look going on in a ton of movies, right? Didn't he have it in, uh, what was the movie with the violin movie where he's violinist? The soloist. (laughs) (laughs) He had it going on. He has, like, some kind of Don King-like thing going on in Just Mercy. And so I just feel like when they wear those hair pieces, it's just so distracting to me. It looks like Samuel L. He is the king of this. He looked um, like Samuel um, Unbreakable. L. From, uh, unbreakable. from Unbreakable. Yes, Glass. <laughs> I just oh, want wait. to ask you something. <laughs> oh. So you understand what I'm saying. I just <laughs> that found that shit terrible. distracting as terrible. hell. So that is probably the biggest crime. <laughs> is yeah, the wig. Probably. <laughs> All right, let's go to number four. Um, very appropriately named movie, uh, Fallen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was... I mean, God, I mean, this was a time where, you know, religious horror was big, right? Uh, And and there's like a a nice cast, right? Like you got John Goodman, you got Donald Sutherland, James Gandolfini. But basically the premise is right. There's uh, Denzel Washington is like a detective, like he pretty much is in pretty much damn near every movie. And he's like a skeptic. Uh, There's a death row inmate going uh, about to get executed. And the uh, the inmate basically starts speaking to Denzel in this weird language, right? Which they assume it's Dutch, but it's really Aramaic. Uh, and he starts singing uh, the Rolling Stone song, Time Was On My Side, right? And tells Denzel, oh, I'll, I'll be back, right? And it turns out that the inmate was uh, inhabited by a demon that can uh, basically swap from person to person by touch, right? It's like devil tag, a game of devil tag, right? <laughs> and so uh, throughout the movie, Denzel basically comes hey, more aware of this demon. He does some research, right? Eventually, he finds the the, the pretty, uh, pretty like uh, uh, not priest, but you know, pretty female like who understands the demon and knows all the information about the demon and educates Denzel on the demon and and uh, you know the, the ending. I mean, God, it's just terrible, right? Like where. You know, he tries to kill the demon, tries to set it up, right? Tries to commit suicide and kill the demon. Of course, the demon survives, right? Because it's a fucking demon. Um, but, it's, like, it's just... I mean, it's just so stale, right? Like... I blame... Just, this This movie was trying to be, like, seven. It um, was. You know, I blame seven for this. So, there's a whole lot of movies during this time that came out just like this that had the whole... You know the gritty look. You know, city in despair. Everybody's you know downtrodden, evil, mm-hmm. and, and and murders running amok. And you know, it, and then, you know the big twist at the end. You know, with him getting possessed. And I mean, it was just every time I start watching this movie, I'm like, you know what? This isn't that bad. But as it keeps going, it's like you said, you're falling. You're just going deeper and deeper into this oblivion <laughs> of just, and it goes nowhere. And you're just like, oh my god. And it spirals out of control until just 
like you said, the ending is just a hot mess. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if there was ever a need for that term, it's right there. That shit is a hot mess. Um, you know, the Rolling Stones song, John Goodman dancing around singing. I'm just like, oh. My and it ruined a good ass song, right? Like really that song did. is dead to me now because of this terrible ass movie. <laughs> Me, yeah, Don Goodman singing it. Yes, he is. All right. <laughs> oh man, yeah, so, not not good. Not a good movie. Oh. Uh, all right, number three. So number three, right? I'd never even heard of this shit until I started doing research for this. Um, this is actually Denzel's debut movie. It's a movie called Carbon Copy. <laughs> the name is a double entendre because the premise is that uh, Denzel Washington is the long lost and never known son of a wealthy white um, a socialite. Racist. Right? Socialite. <laughs> yes, a, a wealthy Jew, white Jewish socialite. Uh, he discovers that Denzel is his son. Denzel shows up at his house. And from that point forward, his life is never the same, right? He loses his job, he loses his wife, he loses his kids, he loses his home. He basically goes flat-ass broke just for meeting the the the, uh, the colored, right? The colored, the colored son. His doorstep right? was darkened. <laughs> Ew. But no, like, listen to this damn tagline. <laughs> Any semblance between father and son is purely hysterical. Right, this shit was terrible. First off, it's a British comedy drama, right? What kind of damn description is that? A British comedy drama, right? I mean, it's just terrible from from that part. It starts with a rape scene where this wealthy white socialite rapes his wife. Right, essentially, or tries to rape his wife. And then later on, he successfully rapes his wife, right? Like, Wow. I mean, like, there's just, like, like, I, I don't even know, like, <laughs> what, to, like, I just gotta read, I mean, I, I, I feel like I need to show everyone the movie just how, just so you can see how bad it is, right? It's so bad that it is available on YouTube in entirety. It's so bad. <laughs> they don't care. That I was, <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Just watch this shit for free. If you want, just watch it for free, please. It's so bad that I was glad that it was on YouTube so that I could watch this shit in a time and a half speed, right? <laughs> I sped it up, right? I watched it on a time and a half. Instead of just regular time, I watched it time and a half speed so the shit finished in, in, in about half the amount of time as usual, right? L- listen to some of these qu- quotes, right, from Denzel. This is from Denzel. You know us color folks, we ain't from Marion. Oh my god. <laughs> so what the white uh, socialized boss says, you know, black folks are good as the wife of a plumber, a garage mechanic, or an elevator operator, but you can't marry one. The dad says, don't call me dad, call me Whitey, Honky, or Mr. Charlie, which Denzel calls him Mr. Charlie for the rest of the movie. Oh my god. There's... One one scene, I, I could talk about this movie for now forever. There's one scene. This is after the the main character has had his fall from grace, and he's living at Denzel's house now. 
the apartment, which is of course run down, roaches and you know, infested in the hood. And he's walking along, you know, he's broke trying to think about how to get money. And there's a white dad and son playing basketball. And so he runs back to get Denzel. And he's like, let's go play basketball and earn five dollars. And so they try to play this pickup game to win five dollars, right? Like, there's some terrible basketball scenes out there in movies, right? (laughs) We've talked many times about Daredevil. We've talked about Catwoman. This might be the worst basketball scene in a movie ever. (laughs) It was just... Here's the uh, line. Here's the poster for Carbon Copy, the, the tagline from the poster. I lost my job, my house, my Rolls Royce, my family left me. What else can go wrong? And then there's Denzel with his hand out. Hi, Dad. So of course, the first thing in life is to find out you have a black son. You know. Of course there's going to be a racist guy out there who has no reelection of, of sleeping or, or raping a black woman and then possibly having a white or a black son out there. Of course, this is all going to be a shock to him. And this is obviously, you know, just terrible news. And the poster is just that classic one guy looking frazzled staring at the camera and the other guy looking hapless <laughs> smiling shrugging looking <laughs> looking at him and it's just like oh you know the word um problematic is thrown out a lot these days with what's going on but this is a very problematic movie on so many levels um and this kind of shows you what it takes for a lot of black actors just to get work um, yeah. A lot of actors of color to just to get work, you have to kind of um, strip yourself of your pride um, and object yourself to these kind of stereotypical roles. Um, and he, even Denzel, one of the most classically trained best actors ever, he wasn't even immune to it. He had to go through this crap. Now, um, I, I will say, right, like, as bad as the movie was, right, like, it wasn't Denzel's fault, right? Like, Denzel was good in the movie, especially the last 20 minutes, which were like extremely different from the previous, God, I don't even know how long that movie was, <laughs> hour, hour and 20 minutes, whatever it was, felt like five hours. But like the last 20 minutes were were the best part of the movie and they were very different. And, and it, was be- it was great because Denzel, right? Like, so what you find out is that the whole time you're thinking that Denzel is just, just hood, low, you know, low rent, broke, high school dropout when it turns out that he was really just playing that role to get to know his father to see what to kind of wreak havoc on his father's life right because it turns out that he's actually a college student at Northwestern which is his father's alma mater right and Mm -hmm. uh, Denzel delivers this great soliloquy about how his mother deserved better right he came here just as he didn't come here because he wanted his respect he came here because he owed it to his mother and uh you know that this this uh this his father owed more to his mother who he was in love with at some point but just left because his boss basically told him he couldn't have a black wife and move up in the world and so uh but denzel right was powerful in the last 20 minutes and it was kind of like a uh, kind of a foreshadow of, of the actor that he was right um you can see why he kind of blew up from there um but like the movie as a whole right i guess you know i know it's supposed to be a satire but it just didn't pull it off at all mm-hmm. right like no. what it was going for Tone it down. did not do 
Like, yeah. it, it just didn't accomplish it. And so uh, that's why I have to put uh, Carbon Copy as number three. Well, all right. All right, number that's two. That's number three. <laughs> Woo, number three. <sighs> Gotta go number two. Number two. So let's hark back to the mid-90s where the intranet was 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 new and exciting, right? AOL, you've got mail. 150 hours for free, right? Like, the internet was supposed to be changing everything, right? You had movies like The Net, right, coming out, and Johnny Mnemonic and Hackers, right? The internet was the future. And right along with that was a little flick called Virtuosity. Mm. And uh, again, I think this was Denzel and Russell Crowe's first collaboration. You yeah. know, and they worked together again in uh, Gangsta or uh, American Gangster. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the basic premise is that um, some genius in the government decides to create a software that is meant to train police officers to be better police officers. And uh, the the virtual reality software, the main villain is actually an amalgamation or combination of some of the worst, uh, most heinous people in history, right? Like Hitler and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, a uh, bunch of serial killers. And uh, one of the main killers added into this uh, complex villain is Russell Crowe's character, who was the main antagonist to Denzel Washington. In fact, he killed Denzel Washington's uh, wife and kids. And so uh, someone thought it was a great idea to have these villains together. So of course, uh, something, some, a glitch happens and this uh, super bad guy comes to, get, comes to life, right? And is actually able to escape the internet and come into reality. Ridiculous. And so they have to enact his main a foil, Denzel Washington, to hunt him down, right? Uh, Denzel Washington is a, a criminal, uh, actually in prison at this point, so he has to actually catch Russell Crowe to get his freedom, right? <laughs> I think it's funny, they describe Russell Crowe as a nanotech synthetic organism with the com combined personalities of hundreds of serial killers. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a genius nonsense. idea to create. A bunch of fucking yeah, just some, like the, the, the gobbledygook, right? Together. That's the bunch of the words, right? Hack it to the mainframe, right? All these super high tech rappers. Yeah, these the, cybernet, right? It's these words that they throw out, right? Like, like the director uh, was Brent Leonard, who actually did Lawnmower Man, which yes. probably is actually even worse than Virtuosity, yes. but along yes. the same yes, same yes, lines, it's worse. right? <laughs> like, there's just one scene from the movie. Oh my god, it is so terrible. Basically, Russell Crowe, once he comes out into real life, he's you know terrorizing people, and he goes to this club, and he basically starts killing people at this club, and he's holding his gun up, and he does this symphony conduction scene, a, a symphony of screams, right, where he's like pointing his gun at different groups of people, and they start screaming, and he's like conducting like he's a freaking maestro, right? <laughs> it is like the dumbest thing I've ever possibly oh, seen God. in a movie, right? Oh, my goodness. And, like, again, this is another case where it wasn't necessarily Denzel that brought it down, right? It was everybody else, right? Um, and just the, the overall script, right? Uh, Russell Crowe was pretty damn bad, right? This is I don't know if this was his first, but it was one of his first. Russell Crowe was pretty damn bad, right? There's a scene where he, like, when he's first created to life, he cuts off his finger, and he goes, and he licks the blood, and he goes, mmm, a good year, right? Like, oh man, right? Like, yeah, from I there, you the know, line. It's like, this shit so what if I awesome. kill, 
if I kill your wife and kids. That doesn't mean we can't be friends. I'm just like, okay. Alright. <laughs> he's supposed to be, you know, has this sense of humor. He's supposed to be like his charismatic. I don't know. And like, okay, so how does internet create flesh and bone? Like, just <laughs> a lightning storm happens and then smoke and then next thing you know, there's a naked dude standing. I mean, at least Terminator had it being a time jump. You know, he was coming yeah. from another you know, galaxy or something, but <laughs> this was just, you know, the internet, someone spills some water on the computer and <laughs> sparks. <laughs> and then you just got some life, dudes standing there. Life like, will find a way. Life. <laughs> I guess like, life does. Yes. This genre oh. was just a bad genre in general, right? Like, if you had to say, like, the best movie of this genre, right? This internet interactivity mm. type movies. Man, that's what a tough one. Um, I mean, I just keep thinking of the bad ones, you know, like the net. I mean, that one doesn't really stand the test of time. Would you put the Matrix in this cat in this category? Probably the Matrix um, is like the culmination of this. I would, I would, say. I would say so. I would say um, so. You know, um, man, it's just yeah, it's really hard to say. Um, I would say probably the Matrix is the best, right? Yeah. It's got it's got to be. Yeah, because Llama Man was just so bad. Giant Demonic was bad. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, yeah, I would definitely say The Matrix, you know, and, you know, it it had a lot of time to catch up, you know, technology, you know, catch up to the technology that was there and vice versa. They they just weren't throwing out mumbo-jumbo, you know, in the name of technology. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so. yeah like, yeah, The Matrix is probably the best, but, yeah, like, virtuosity might be the worst it was uh demolition man is pretty bad too i think I oh yeah because it's about the same vein you know uh so yeah that was pretty bad too but uh, virtual so let's just turn the page on this shit all right all right number one worst movie of denzel washington's career again this is another movie that i'd never heard of when i was doing this research um and i remember when our when we talked about comparing Denzel and Will, I mentioned that I could never see Denzel doing like a comedy type movie. And now I know why. Because number one <laughs> was one of his comedy attempts and this shit was terrible. It was a movie called Heart Condition. It was a buddy, kind of a buddy cop-ish movie starring Bob Hoskins. The premise, Denzel Washington is a lawyer uh, uh, a uh, accident chasing lawyer and Bob Hoskins is a racist cop that hates him and they hate each other, they're arch enemies well, Denzel Washington gets killed in the line of duty and it turns out that Bob Hoskins from a lifetime of eating terrible foods, needs a heart transplant and he gets one from Denzel Washington whose heart is actually put into Bob Hoskins. And from that point forward, he starts seeing the ghost of Denzel <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere Ooh, he goes. This has got some, one of my, all my biggest bugaboos. And the only way that Denzel will stop haunting Bob is if oh, he helps boy. him to find his murderer. Yeah. <sighs> it's terrible. It is a... <sighs> you know... This is, um, one of the, again, a problematic movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 
I love I love how whenever they wanted to portray a cop as being racist, they always make him an LAPD cop. Because <laughs> LAPD cops are so racist that they're acceptably racist. It's like, yeah. okay, we need to be a racist, so let's just make him LAPD. Okay, everybody would just laugh it off and be like, oh yeah, those guys are fucking racist. Um, this always makes me laugh. You ever notice that shit? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Bob Hoskins was just so much better than this. Um, at least I thought he was so much better than this. Um, uh, there was a rumor that Denzel was actually talked into this movie by his uh, uh, by his agent, <laughs> and it was so bad that Denzel immediately fired his agent good. right after the movie. Good. Right. Like. Like I mean, the premise has been done like just over and over, right? Like ghosts, right? Accompanying, right? Someone, right? To you know, like this was kind of like around the time where you had uh, Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby. Or Ghost. Um, you also had Ghost, right? Yeah, you know, with <laughs> which was a good movie, right? Like, <laughs> but this uh, one, yeah, like I don't know, man. It was just just trite and terribly acted. Um, and again, like you said, from actors I respect, right? I like Bob Hoskins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but this movie, it, it, it damn near gave me a heart condition uh, just trying to watch watch my way through it. It was yeah. very terrible. Man. I mean, I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just can't, um, I can't understand how, I mean, I guess I can't understand it because I know the history of, of, you know, where we, how we've gotten here and where we are, but it's just like, how can you not see the problem in putting shit like this out there? I mean, <laughs> like how, <laughs> you have to think about how things are going to be viewed 20 years from now, 30 years from now at some point. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I guess the fact that this movie is really kind of forgotten is, is the best thing, um, along with Carbon Copy. Um, because this garbage just needs to go away. Does not ever need. No one never needs to see this movie ever. <laughs> Burn it, blow it up, just forget it ever existed. Um, yeah, that's, I just I can't say enough about how bad movies like these are, and they still be, continue to be made to this day. And it's just it's sickening. But it reminds me of the uh, the old Simpsons bit um, on the uh, the Treehouse of Terror episode where. Uh, the billboards are coming to life, and uh, <laughs> they figure out the way to, to, to get rid of them is just to ignore them, right? If you just ignore the monsters, they go away. <laughs> I feel like those two movies should be like that, right? If you just ignore the monsters, maybe they'll go away. Just don't look. Just don't look. <laughs> Here's to that. What did, so what did I miss, right? There, there were some other movies that I, I contemplated. Oh, well, here. well, here's to miss? that. Cheers. Um, bad or unwatchable. Um, you know, but I would say one of my least favorite Denzel. I mean, I'm not a fan of Inside Man. I know a lot of people really like it, but I just think it's too long and it's just kind of like, you know, tries to outsmart itself a little bit. But um, I would have to say my least favorite movie of his that I've seen recently. That I can remember is Book of Eli. Um, <laughs> it's you know it has a good it has good intentions, you know great you know idea of having Gary Oldman. He's a great bad guy, 
you know, Denzel's always the consummate hero, you know, post-apocalyptic. Those movies are really hit and miss. So when you do a, a post-apocalyptic movie, it has to be on, you know, spot on. I'm talking about Terminator. <laughs> so <laughs> it's got to hit those levels. And this movie did not. It was just dry and just bland the whole time. You know, it kind of starts off interesting. Um, but, you know, you mean to tell me that this whole time this dude's blind? He's doing all this shit and he can't see? I'm sorry. Like, the twists that, that they throw in there at the end are just so nonsensical <laughs> to everything that I just saw that I can't believe it. I just can't. <laughs> I can't believe that. You need a twist that, like, is surprising but confirms shit, not a twist that's surprising <laughs> and cancels out every damn thing you've already seen for the last two and a half hours. Yes. I can't deal with that. That just really, oh, I hate movies like that. And it's just the whole thing about the Bible being the, you know, he has the Bible and he's trying to get it across. And it's like, you know, we've had the Bible for 2,000 years. How is this all of a sudden going to be, you know, a revelation that this one guy, I mean, so it's just, it, it just kind of, it wanted to have this big reveal at the end. And they try to go for two big reveals and both of them just fell so flat that the, the entire two and a half hours you're sitting there just are not worth it. Am I the and, only one? that like when I watch post-apocalyptic movies right I'm just really thinking about like the dryness right like I get thirsty right my mouth gets dry from like I'm wondering like yeah like <laughs> yes you run around all these action scenes where's the damn water at how are you not thirsty how is your you know maybe 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 my empathy is too damn high right like I can't you know, suspend. I suspend my disbelief too damn much, but like, yeah, you do. I'm the opposite. I can't suspend my <laughs> constant skeptic. Huh? But like, no, yeah. like I'm like, damn, my my throat gets parched. Like I go through a full soda and a half watching. Like, uh, what was the uh, that the full action uh, post apocalyptic Mad Max, right? Like Mad Max, right? Mad like, Max. It was beautiful visually, but the whole damn time I'm like hot and thirsty, like hot and bothered, right? I'm like, damn, I need a drink, right? Like, <laughs> nobody take a sip of water this entire damn movie, how? I need to take a bath. Yeah, you around hot cars and pistons and shit, lubes and <laughs> all steam, that dirt. all that dirt and dust in your nostrils. How are you not? Book of Eli is even worse because it's like a famine and these motherfuckers are cannibals, so you're hungry. And thirsty. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I can't deal with it. So, I, yeah, I don't like many post-apocalyptic movies, so I can certainly uh, agree with you there um, for, for Book of Eli. Not the strongest effort. All right, uh, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We always like to wrap up with, a, with some deep dives. Uh, what's your deep dive for Denzel? Um, I have a couple of them, um, but, you know, going back... Um, one of his earlier roles, um, and you're going to actually like this one. It's, um, this movie's called A Soldier Story. Uh, I think it's like 1984. Um, ensemble cast. Uh, Denzel is a very you know supporting role in that, but it, once again, he's he's so powerful in that role, he kind of steals every scene he's in. Um, and it's you know it's just a great you know all black cast about um, you know all black soldier battalion in I think World War II. Um, but there's a great line in that movie that Martin quotes in, a, in, the, sh in the, the TV show. It's the day of the Geechee is coming. Yes. <laughs> and that line is in that line comes from that movie. And it's a very great part of that movie. And I don't want to get too much into it, but 
if you ever, you know, seen that episode of Martin, that line is from A Soldier Story. <laughs> the day of the Geechee's coming. The day of the Geechee's coming. The day coming. of the coming. <laughs> yeah, I know you love that scene, but um, A Soldier Story, but it's a really great movie, and it's a very deep dive of his. Like I said, it's like early 80s. Um, but another one that I do want to mention is a movie called Cry Freedom. Um, I actually watched this um, in college, but it's about uh, Stephen Biko. He was a uh, South African activist who was arrested and died under very suspicious circumstances while in police custody. Um, but it's a very good movie about his life and about his friend who's a journalist who was trying to expose what happened and ended up having to you know, flee South Africa for his own life. But um, very good movie uh, directed by Richard Attenborough, um, Dr. Hammond from set Jurassic Park. Um, but it's a very good movie. Um, probably would have been a lot better had it been about Stephen Biko instead of the guy who knew Stephen Biko. But once again, you know, Denzel Washington just steals the show. So those are probably the two movies that if you've never seen them, I would definitely uh, recommend uh, taking them. All right. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you all for, for joining us uh, for this episode. Uh, episode of a spoiler alert uh next time i think we're gonna get into jamie fox uh, or we may ch switch it up a little bit but uh again for uh Bashari, this is rollo saying thanks for joining us and we'll catch y'all next time bye